Um, so if you didn't know, we uh, were in Ensenada, Mexico. Uh, we would stay at this place called Rancho Agaviva, um, Ranch of Living, Living Water. And that's where it's kind of our home base. And then every day we would leave there and we would go into Ensenada um, to this community, uh, to this neighborhood where there's this church that we've been partnering with um, probably for, I don't know, Timothy, do you remember how long it's been? Yeah, so a really long time. And it's been cool. So it's cool to see uh, how, it's, um, how it's changed and been built and how we are able to come alongside that church um, and help that pastor um, and his wife care for that community. Um, so yeah, we, we need you guys um, to help us process this experience. Um, I've said this a lot, but you can have a really cool experience, but if you don't internally process it through journaling, and if you don't externally process it through sharing with other people, um, then it, the experience just leaks out of your ears, um, and you won't remember it, and it won't have impact and lasting change. Um, so you need to help us, but we also need to help you, because I said this before, not everyone can go down to Mexico. Uh, only a, a team of 18 did, um, was able to do that. But we can come back here, and we can say, hey, here's what we learned about God. Because, man, when you're in a different context and when you're out of your comfort zone, you learn things about God and yourself and others. Um, and those are things that we love to, to share with you. So not to throw a ton of pressure on the whole team. But, um, yeah, so we're just going to spend just a, a few moments giving some snapshots. And I hope that this would make you curious um, so you could have father, further conversations with uh, people. So, cool. Um, yeah, so um, anyone on the Mexico team, when we ask a question, you can just share where you're at. You don't need to really stand up or anything if you don't want. Um, just be loud so we can hear you. Um, and the first question um, is, is there a mental photograph from the trip? Is there something that, uh, that you thought it was uh, something that you wanted to remember, um, that you wanted to keep in the back of your mind so you could go back to that? Maybe it was a moment, something that happened. Maybe it was while you were serving the kids or in a church service or, or whatever. Was there something that was so powerful that you want to remember it? Um, so on Wednesday night, we have a church service with um, at the church that we were, like, we're working at. Um, and, uh, like, all the families come, and we do worship. And a couple, I think there was one song this year that we knew in English, and they knew in Spanish. So while they were singing in Spanish, we were singing in English. And it was really cool to see, like, the language barrier that was, like, broken during that. And then also, like, through that time, I saw that, like, they have such a, like, a freedom when they worship, and um, it's so cool to see because like when people aren't singing, people are praying out loud, and it's like, I don't know, it's life-changing for me, and I like, I love that they just like have the freedom, and like they know that it's okay to like pray out loud and like be totally in and just like continue speaking. Um, well, in like America, I, I feel like, or like at Trinity, while we do worship, we like we like know that like oh like the song is like in transition, so I'm just gonna be quiet and like sit here and think, while they're just like going off and like being loud and just like praising the Lord, and it was like really cool to see. So I like that. That's cool. Okay. Um, I thought that was cool too. And then also like after all the testimonies and stuff, they. Pastor Marcos, who's the pastor of the church down there, he called our entire group up. 
Um, and it was just, it was really cool because, like, you could just tell, like, that they can, like, they just know how powerful prayer is. And, like, it was really cool because, like, like um, there was a, there was one guy that was praying over, I think, me and Scotty and Joey, you know, came over and, like, they had hands on us and, like, you could just, like, you could just, like, feel, like, God's spirit, like, flowing through you. And, like, it was just, it was just, like, like, I don't know, it was just, it's cool to see how, much people can like see how powerful prayer is and like like believe it so strong. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Cool. Um, also with the praying over us, uh, the mom who prayed over me, um, when she was praying, I couldn't understand half of the things she was saying because she was speaking so fast and like so like trying to get everything out. And so I remember I was just like sitting there waiting for to hear the words amen, not the words, the word amen. And like her arm was like placed on me, like I wasn't ready for this at all. So like I'm awkwardly like, like I don't have it. Like I don't, I, if you saw me, I was in the most awkward pose ever. And I'm like, okay. And then um, just the whole like, it's not like a picture, but like I felt her hand like shaking on me. And mm-hmm. like, like, and I could hear her voice, like, just, like, really having that power over me. And, like, just, like, whatever she was saying, I somehow really felt it, even though I didn't understand, like, any of it. Like, I could tell what she was saying was, like, it was all God speaking through her. And then after that, she gave me, like, like, the best hug ever. And then, like, the next day, I felt like she was there every single day. So I kept seeing her, and she'd always be like, hi, and, like, we talked a little bit, and her kids were amazing. So just like her as a person, I could really just be God. Hmm. I'd say that Wednesday night worship truly was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen because it shows how God's glory really knows no cultural bounds and no language barriers. We were both singing with different languages, but you could feel everything, feel what they were feeling, feel what it's, what it's really meant to be a Christian. And it's great how around the world things are really gave me a more large picture of Christianity. While we were there, we read a devotional. Um, it was pretty powerful, um, called Radical. Um, and it led to a ton of conversations and 
struggling over what does this mean for our lives. And so I just didn't know if you, any of you had some thoughts about what it means for you to be radical um, now that you're back here. What does it mean to be a radical Christian?
so based on like all these instruments you have and like you have like an awesome gym and like all these crazy like things and like I had to like take a step back in like my own mind and I was like okay like church can't to me just be the lights and like the sound and everything like it has to be the people in it and what we're doing with like God's word and like it's not this well room it's the people here and so like what does church mean to me going off of that we also talked about like in the book it talks about removing like chairs and like rooms building like being away from all of that and just sitting with people and being in God's word um it's like what and like being content in that for hours on end and like that's you having like a faith and you're okay with not like being entertained 24 7 to be at church Does anyone, maybe any leaders, anyone have any questions for the team? Did I just shut some down? Jaden, and then we'll get that. Um, kind of what I got from a lot of the chapters was just the denying of oneself. And, like, you are God's creation. And, like, with the money and, like, excess, all of it, like, not even just the excess, like, everything you have is God's. And so, like, just trusting God's plan, and if he asks you to give up something, it's it's not really giving up something, it's giving back something that was his already. Do you guys hear that? <laughs> Should you say that again? <laughs> that was good. Um, like, if God asks you to give up something, you are his creation, and everything you have is his, so you're not giving up something, you're giving back something. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah, did any, uh, anybody else have any questions for this team?
they did a lot of work over there, like, and we were told in, like, Pablo that Scotty was young enough to hold a beer there, hold dirt, like, fake beer for the entire time, and we did, like, we had, like, we were reading and stuff, but I remember my teacher telling me this one time, uh, she was in North Carolina bringing the next day, and all of the work that they had filled up, all the buckets of dirt and stuff, kind of washed away. So just praying that that stays for as long as possible, because they really deserve, like, like the roads when we got there, they were, like, like, they had a ton of digs and stuff, and we filled in a lot of those things around the church, so just praying that they have that for a long time, because they really deserve that. also don't see how it is when we're not there and so like whatever it is when we're there and whatever it is when we're not there like just the goodness of what they have stays with them as long as it can hold forever anyone else from the team have any thoughts that you've wanted to share Anna, will you pray for us? Um, maybe, yeah, if, if, as you pray, just maybe just pray for um, the, yeah, El Grand Ray. Yeah. And be good. And offering, yeah. Okay. Solid. <laughs> um, <laughs> dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for um, this amazing group of people here, God. I pray that you just continue to work in their lives. Um, and I also pray for um, El Grand Ray. I pray that you continue to continue to lay your hands over that church and that community of people. I pray that um, you just give them the, the strength and um, the ability to just keep serving you and loving you with all of their hearts, God. Um, I also pray for our money that we're raising for a 30-hour famine, and I pray that um, I pray that we just have open hearts to give to you, God, and um, we are able to just um, love the kids that we are sponsoring and um, just raise the money that they need and um, they're able to use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're switching it up a little bit today. Um, so as the offering plates go around, we're going to pass out some sermon sheets um, and we're going um, to hit that and then we'll do a song at the end. Cool? Sound good? Flex? And Max. Flex and Max. Funny. Can you um, get the pens out of that bucket and pass them around? So, um, yeah, we are changing it up, being a little flexible. Our That's hilarious. It's really funny. We have a phrase in Mexico. 
And the phrase is flex and mex. And someone thought that that meant like flex your muscles, like show off in Mexico. It's supposed to mean be flexible because your van might break down at the border and we'll tell you that story later. That'll preach. So, um, all right. I got, I got like 12 minutes, and this is a 25-minute message. So, um, but if you can't say it in that short, then you're trying to do too many things, I think. Um, so, um, we're in this series. Actually, does everyone have a pen and a, a little half sheet? Raise your hand if you're in need of a pen or a half sheet. Garrett needs some. Becca, okay. So, are there any others? Oh, half sheets? They're just sitting here. No one wanted to rescue them. Here, here. Can you give it? You got one. All right. Um. So, we are in a series called "What Would Jesus Undo?" So far, we've talked about how he, how he would undo indifference. How he would undo poverty and hunger, how he would undo hypocrisy, he would undo greed, he would undo sin and death. Uh, on Wednesday, I'm talking about one of them that I'm actually most excited about. It's the last one in our series, and I'm talking about how Jesus would come and he would undo hollow worship. How he would undo where on the outside it looks like you're all about it, looks like you're into it, but on the inside your heart is far from it. How Jesus would undo that. Um, and we're going to do that in a really cool, unique way. So be there on Wednesday. Invite your friends to it. It's going to be a unique experience, I think, um, as we talk about how Jesus went to do hollow worship. Um, but today we're talking about something different. And I prefaced it with the question of the day, which was, was there something that you thought existed or thought was real, but it turned out to be a lie? Um, there, there, there are things like that maybe, maybe you've thought, um, especially when it comes to mythical creatures. Uh, we have one slide. Maybe at one point you thought a unicorn was real. Anyone ever think unicorns real? I'm going to just hurt a lot of people's childhoods right now. Uh, some people, who is afraid of a monster under your bed, in your closet, in the toilet? Anybody? Scary place. Snakes in the toilet? Snakes are real. All right. Uh, mermaids. Maybe you thought they were real. You thought one day I could be Ariel, and that was your dream. And then someone had to tell you, no, you can't breathe underwater. You're carbon-based. Okay, ready? Go to the next one. Um, fairies. Fairies aren't real. Uh, that is a centaur. Also not real. Um, that's a pegasus. Also not real. Maybe at some point you thought they were. This next one is going to irk a little bit of you. Some of you thought at one point in your life Santa was real. You thought Elvisil. You thought the Tooth Fairy was real. We just heard a story of how someone thought the Tooth Fairy was real. Um, and some of us, here's the thing though. When people, when you ask your parents, was Santa real? My mom said, yes, he is real, because he was a real person. So it was a half lie. Um, finally, she had to tell me that the way I thought of Santa wasn't real, and Santa was actually a Christian who fought for the, our correct view of Christ and gave to the poor. And anyways. Um, so, amen. Um, okay, when I was a kid, I've told this story a lot, but my brother, he, uh, he would convince me that the mold on the side of our yard had been left by Santa's sleigh because Santa's sleigh takes off 
uh, and it would land in the basketball court. So I literally, I chipped off the mold off of our brick, and I took that, and I put it, the white mold, into our freezer to keep it. And he said, no, no, it's not cold, because it's from the North Pole, and snow doesn't melt there. Snow's not cold in the North Pole. He had an answer for everything. And anyways, it's like my mom's like, Joel, why is there mold in the fridge? I'm like, it's for Santa. Um, anyways, so you have these things. You have these things. You think they exist, but they really don't exist. Today, I'm going to burst a bigger bubble than Santa. You think this exists, but it doesn't exist at all. And I'm going to do it in 10 minutes, and we're going to do it as we look at Revelation 3. If you have your Bibles, if you have your phone, if you want to listen with your ears, listen up. Um, so Jesus, um, in Revelation, we see him talking to seven churches. Uh, John is the one who records this. Um, he encourages a lot of the churches, but he also gives them a challenge. He celebrates something, but he also gives them a challenge. This is the one church that really doesn't get any encouragement. Um, it's the city of Laodicea. And Laodicea was destroyed by an earthquake 35 years before this was written, and they rebuilt bigger, better than ever. Think Dubai. Uh, they had basically all the modern luxuries. They had giant public baths, which sound gross and disgusting, but there you go. Um, they had uh, a lot of wealth, huge stadiums, massive theaters. They had, um, they, they had these aqueducts that would bring in water. Uh, one of the waters would be brought in uh, from Colossae, the other from Heropolis. And so uh, one of these, I, I can't remember which spring is which, but one of the springs would bring in cold water and one spring would bring in hot water. But by the time the water got to Laodicea, the water would be what? Lukewarm, right? Okay, cool. Maybe you've heard this before and um, let's hear it again. Uh, the angel of the Lord, um, let's see, he says, hold on, I missed where we were. We are going to be in verse 15. I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Let's stop there. Um, I know your deeds that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either. Do you love hot coffee? Okay, not a personal thing. Fine. Do people enjoy hot coffee? Yes. Do people enjoy cold coffee? Yes, there's a new place called Contra. It's in the Orange Circle. They have amazing cold brew coffee. Go there. Uh, all your dreams will be made. Do not have more than one of those because you will be so jittery. And like that one time I met Will Bacher and he said, I've had three. And I'm like, it looked like he was about to take off into space. Um, and then crash. All right, so here's the deal. So Jesus is saying, um, I know your deeds. I know that you're neither hot which is awesome. Love hot cocoa, love the hot sun in the Bahamas. You're either hot or you're cold, right? Snow is great. We're going to have fun in the snow. Love iced coffee, love popsicles, love things that are cold. That's great. Those are both good things, but he's saying they're neither. And th this, this, uh, this verse can sometimes be translated in a way that actually produces something that isn't true. Some people think that this verse says that there's some people who have... Um, like cold faith, like no faith at all, and they're not Christians. And then there's some people who are hot, and they're, they're radical, and they're awesome, and they're going on mission trips, and they're loving people, and they're reading their Bible, and then there are just some people in the middle, the lukewarm Christians. Here's what I need you to understand. Jesus never calls the lukewarm Christians, okay? 
This is not a spectrum between unbelief and belief. This is a spectrum between cold is great and hot is great. In the middle, what does Jesus do? Listen to this. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. It turns Jesus' stomach. You're not following me. You're in the middle. Um, it's like when I went in Jordan, there was a Burger King in the country of Jordan. And it was the first real food, I hate to say real food, that I'd seen in a while because we'd been in Israel. And we went into Jordan, into this Burger King. And you go up to the menu, and you think you're going to see the normal Burger King menu, but no. No, no, no. They've Jordanianized it uh, to the Jordanian palate. And so there's mushrooms in the hamburgers. The cheese is not melted. It's basically a sandwich. Uh, it's a bunch of things, but still I bought it because I'm like, hmm, what else are we going to do here? Uh, there's a Papa John's upstairs, and I don't know if he's ever been to Jordan. Um, so we, I, get this, I get this Burger King sandwich. I eat it all. I'm going to have a problem right now. I eat it all, eat the fries, and I go outside and... And just in the bushes, just throw up, right? Like, I can't handle it. It's just, it was the worst. Also, I'd only eaten hummus and, like, some green things for the whole, like, week and a half. Finally, I ate a burger. It had red meat. It was terrible. I felt awful. Worst decision of my life. So, so Jesus, he's having this moment, right, where he has, he sent his son, um, I mean, sorry, Jesus has come to earth. He suffered. He's died. He took on our sin. He did everything to, to cut down every barrier that could ever keep you from him. He has done it. He is the victor. He was raised from the dead. He is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he looks at this church in Laodicea. And when he looks at people who aren't Christians, who aren't following him, who said that they're about this, but really they're not, they're too dependent on their own wealth, their own, their own selves, he just wants the, the, the Burger King, right? Um, he wants to spit. He wants to regurgitate them out of his mouth. So I need you to get this. There is no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. It does not exist. A lukewarm Christian does not exist. It might as well be Santa. It might as well be the tooth fairy or a mermaid. Because lukewarm Christian, that gives us, um, it gives us a way out. It gives us a way of saying, I'm not radical. I'm not crazy. I, I didn't do too much. People aren't going to notice me. I don't want to go all in and be all weird and Christian-y, you know. And I, I definitely don't not believe, kind of in the middle, I'm a lukewarm Christian, you know, so it's okay. And so some of us have a meh faith, a meh faith, like the emoji, meh. And we think, like, it's like, do you want to um, you, you take a can and you want to put money in it? And do you want to save children's lives that are going to die unless you help them? Do you want to impact people who are in poverty? And a lot of us are like, meh. Do you want to use your gifts so that the kingdom of God would advance? Do you want to find out how God has created you and wired you? Meh. Do you want to let go of unforgiveness and bitterness in relationships? Meh. Do, do you want to like, experience the fullness of, of joy in your life? Do you want to experience like, like this purpose that actually gives you a sense of direction in your life that no matter what difficult things happen, you have a framework to understand that he's making it work out for your good and there's a day where all things will be made right. Do you want... Meh. We're in the meh. And the meh is not a Christian. Okay? This is what Jesus said. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. There is no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. Um, he's not describing a lukewarm Christian. He's just the middle is a lack of faith. Are you guys tracking with this? It's kind of the, 
the big point for today is that um, it's an oxymoron. It's like airline food or plastic silverware. It's like the words together don't make sense. Lukewarm Christian. It's like definite maybe. Wait, what is that? Are you going to go to lunch with me or not? It's a definite maybe. That doesn't make sense. Lukewarm Christian doesn't make sense. Because to be a Christian says, you know what? I'm fully surrendering to you, Jesus. I'm fully surrendering to you. What would Jesus undo? He would undo lukewarm faith. That's what he would undo. Um, Okay, so we're going to be rushing through some of this. Um, And we're going to go to where does lukewarm faith come from? A couple things we see in Laodicea is they have this illusion of self-sufficiency. So you can write that down while I read this verse. uh, He says, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So they think they're wealthy. They think they have it all together because they have everything they need. They got public baths. They got stadiums. They have entertainment. And everything looks great. And they got the designer jeans. And their Instagrams look awesome. But on the inside, they are pitiful. They are poor. They are wretched, naked, and blind. Wow. I wonder if this is describing Orange County. I wonder if this is describing a lot of a lot of a lot of people that I've seen who even who who live in places that are very affluent, but then I talk to them and their marriages are just on fire. Or I talk to them and they have no purpose and meaning in their life. Where on the outside everything looks like it's great, but then if you were to dig a little deeper, um, ugh, it's gross. <laughs> um, so what leads to this spiritual lukewarmness? This this idea that we can do it on our own, that we're sufficient on our own. The Bible is always warning us of when we accumulate a lot of things, we can find our comfort in those things, and we can find our, uh, our satisfaction in those things, and we forget that we actually need God. Um, so that, yeah, the illusion of self-sufficiency. Second thing is distractions of this world. The distractions of this world. In Matthew 13, there's the scene where uh, the sower so, uh, puts seeds onto the ground, the seeds take root, and then thorns come up and start to kill the plant. And, and in, in that passage, it talks about how there's distractions and pleasures and all these things in the world. There's iPhones and there's re- relationships and there's all these things that can distract us um, from, from God. Um, cool. We're going we're gonna to zoom through how to know if you're lukewarm. Because um, we don't really need to unpack these. I think you probably, they're probably pretty self-evident with what you think they are. Um, how do you know if you're lukewarm? You're obsessed with if people like you. Do you like this? Do you care about me? Do you want to, like, do, do you think this shirt looks good? Do you think I look good? Should I do this? Should I do that? Okay, you, you think I should do this? I'm going to go this way. This person thinks I should do this. You, you know. um, and Luke 6.26 says, Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. The Bible actually warns us that when everyone says that you're awesome and everything's great, you might be living so in line with whatever they want, and you're, you're not actually standing out, that you're not um, actually following Christ. Um, second one, you're obsessed with life. Um, oh, here we go. You can write them all down. Obsessed with, with now, not eternity. Um, so you're putting all of your hope here and now when the reality is you're all one phone call away from everything in your life changing, everything in your life being wrecked, when all of our security is in the here and the now. We rationalize our sins, right? So um, things are no longer gossip. It's just, I really cared, so I told them. You know, It's no longer, wow, I probably shouldn't watch porn. It's Oh, that's just a thing that Joel talks about in his sermons, and so I don't need, I can ignore it. Right? We rationalize away the things. Um, uh, we rarely share our faith. We only turn to God when we need something. God's like a waiter. We serve only when it's convenient. 
Following Jesus doesn't cost us anything. These are the things um, that it looks like um, if you're a lukewarm Christian. We are meant. Um, we are meant about the things uh, that actually matter. So, um, if you were in a place where you felt like, I'm a lukewarm Christian, I'm just coasting, my faith really isn't costing me anything, I see a lot of these things in my own life, what would you do? And your counselor is like, we would probably give you like, depending on who you talk to, probably like six or seven things you could do, you know, pray, journal, read the Bible, go out and serve, confess your sins, find a community of people who can hold you accountable, um, get a devotional plan, pray three times a day. Like, we, we can give you all of these things. Um, and if I could give you a list of things you could do to get you out of your spiritual rut, but you probably wouldn't do them. Um, and, or if you did them, maybe you would, you would do them, but you, there's a way to read the Bible without even inviting God into it. So we need to do something um, where we can't do it without God. Um, what can you do to reignite your faith? So this is um, the last point here. Every day, do something that requires faith. Do something that requires faith. Do something that when you do it, there's an uneasy feeling because you're taking a risk and you're trusting in God in that moment. Um, so that could be standing up for someone when, um, when, when someone's gossiping about somebody else. Um, giving a gift to someone that stretches you, that takes your time. Um, again, I said bringing your can to school. Telling your family about the issues of poverty and hunger. Apologizing to someone who hurt you. Actually engaging with church. Coming here, taking notes, bring your Bible. That, for you, that might take faith. Because you don't want to do that, and you're going to say, God, I don't want to do that, but I'm going to do this in your power. Um, choose to forgive someone. Volunteer to pray out loud in a small group. Why is volunteering to pray always a joke? Like, what does it have to be like, oh, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I don't always love to pray. Um, but in that moment where you feel an uneasiness, instead of looking at someone else and calling somebody else out to pray, say, you know what? In faith, I'm going to do this. And that can be your act of faith for that day. Because if it's all about you praying based off of how much you've practiced and you praying based off of how good of a prayer you are, there's no spirit in that. There's no God's power in that. You're just doing that on your own. And so even if it's an amazing prayer, you're doing it wrong. Because um, the only right prayer is the prayer that is honest and real um, and in him. That's not here. It's just a, sorry, rant. Okay. Um, maybe take a step uh, and say, say one of your, like meet with one of your counselors. I can give you on and on a list. Care for somebody that's hurting. So here's the deal. Do something every day this week. That to do that thing would require faith. It would require you to have a relationship with God. Do that, and when that gets you out of your, your spiritual funk. Um, who wants to do this? Anyone want to do this? Raise your hand if this is what you're about this week, every day. Okay, cool. Because I want us to talk about this next week um, and how um, God worked and how he was moving. So, um, David, you want to do that thing or no? Great. Um, <laughs> for um, what time is it? Twelve oh four. Yeah. If you if you can, you want to stick around and you want to reflect more on maybe where is God calling you to take steps of faith. Um, we're gonna gonna sing one more song together. Um, I will say when you do this, um, it is difficult. Um, my wife and I we were talking about um, we talk about a lot about how the people that, that we care about often we we get we get worried about you guys. Um, that there's sometimes where like Vicky and I will talk, and Vicky will just talk about how her heart is so broken um, for a student or for someone. Um, 
but it's better to have hurt for a purpose than not to have a purpose. Like it's better for you to take a risk um, and do things every day that require faith than to have no purpose, than to be lukewarm, because Jesus is going to spit that out. Stop justifying your faith saying it's lukewarm or it's coasting or it's taking a vacation. It can't do that. That's not what faith is. There's no middle ground. It's yes or no. It's in or it's out. And that's good news because Jesus is all in for you. It's all on the table for you. So we respond now. Amen.